This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Ruslan, today on this, the last episode of Bitter Culture for the year 2020. What a great year it's been. We're going to have a special edition. This is the fashion edition. <laughs> you sound so excited saying that. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I would hope that everybody... Uh, would know that I'm, I'm a big fan of fashion. And, uh, and our three guests today are, or two guests rather. Three, yes, sir. Well, three altogether. He is a producer on the morning run at BFM, and you've heard him before. His name is Sim Wei Boon. Great. Hello, see. hello, hello. Great and to be back. A, great. And we have a first timer, and I've been uh, very excited to have him. He is a stylist, uh, a fashion stylist. He is, I think, a fantastic fashion stylist. His name is Ian Lowe. Hi, everyone. Hello. 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 And full disclaimer, the three of us used to work together in uh, Esquire magazine a few yep. years ago. Well, good times. Good times. times. Yep. 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 So um, our three topics this week is topic number one is uh, the history of the necktie. Topic number two is fashion house collaborations. And finally, topic number three is men in skirts. The history of the necktie. Uh, men in dresses. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. So already, <laughs> already, uh, big difference there, Cam. Yeah, difference. Yeah. So with the history of the necktie. See, the thing is with the, the the necktie is a weird thing. Whenever on the rare occasion I wear a necktie, I put it on. I just think this is a weird thing. Why am I expected to wear a necktie? And it just in order to denote smartness. And mm. actually, even when I look at people who wear ties, I think, oh, they look very smart. But the, the history of the necktie has got nothing to do with smartness, really. Its journey begins back in the mid-1600s in Europe with uh, Croat mercenaries who were uh, militiamen who used to uh, fight in the Austrian army. And they were irregular soldiers, and they would wear around their necks red neckerchiefs. Um, and the reason why they would wear them is so they could, they could see each other in battle, but also if they got wounded, they could take off the neckerchief, wrap it around their arm or leg, and, and use it as a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. And it was red so that it didn't show the blood. Now, they then got met by Parisian fashionable men who saw these and thought, ooh la la, that looks rather cool. <laughs> and they uh, started to adapt it. Now, they called the Croatians Croats, but the Croats themselves called themselves Hrvati. So it became known as a cravat. And over time, the cravat kept evolving from this fashion statement yeah. to becoming, well, the necktie that we know today. Mm. And, and I'm just thinking, when I have to go to a business meeting or something, that history has got nothing to do with this weird item called a necktie. And I'm also wearing a weird thing called a suit. When you think about it, you look at people wearing suits, it's like, it's a very strange outfit. Why can't I just wear, well, we're going to talk about this later. I mean, I could just wear a dress, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but men and indeed women, from a European perspective, are expected to wear certain items of clothing as a uniform. Mm -hmm. now, now, you two, I don't think I've ever seen any of you wear a tie. Um, do you? No, we've had we've had been in um, an occasion that we we've seen we've been wearing ties. I mean, that was the first time Ian and I saw you wearing a suit. Um, it was during a movie launching. I remember that we did when we were in Esquire. 
Yeah. And you were showing off because the suit was from Savile Row. And you were like, you were very proud of that. (laughs) Very proud of that. Uh, Well, again, you see, there I was conforming. I'm conforming to to, um, something that I didn't know. I mean, Savile Row is supposed to, in London, is supposed to be the epicenter of the English gentleman outfit. Uh, And you are a good English gentleman. Uh, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh, well, I think personally, like, um, conforming is one way of saying it. Fitting in is another way. And I guess it's also, you know, when, when you talk about dressing up and like wearing clothes and everything, um, there's also a thinking where I think a lot of people don't think about is that like not everyone uh, knows or is very in tune with dressing well or wanting to dress well or, or I mean I'm sure they want to dress well but you know not, not everyone comes with the skills that a stylist have that they know how to put things together even that comes with experience yeah. so you, you need a reference point you need something to learn and you know having something like suits and neckties that, de- that, that points to a direction where okay if you wear a suit for this occasion that's the right thing to do and that's how you kind of like give off this impression and so and so so on and so forth so then you know, okay, then, you know, if I want to go for a job interview at a bank, I should wear a suit, you know, because, you know, clothes as a way of informally introducing yourself or formally, or which, which, you know, it's, it's, a matter, it's a matter of introducing yourself and um, talking about what you want or what you do, what you're doing here without you saying anything at all. So when you wear a suit to a dinner party, it, it shows that, you know, okay, you're here for the dinner party. You know, if you wear a shirt coming to a different party, or something totally off, you wear a swimming suit coming to a dinner party, and you know what you're saying is, I'm lost. So, so when you wear a tie to a formal setting, you know, it shows that like, I know why I'm here, this is why I'm here. When you wear a wacky tie to a, very, uh, to a funeral, you know, I mean, 90% of people there are going to think, well, this guy doesn't really respect the yeah. person. So, yeah, so, you know. Okay, so, but Ian, I mean, you've, uh, as a stylist, you've dressed people yeah. in, in suits and ties. And yep. yet, I don't think you're a suit and tie kind of guy. But I mean, is that a statement on your part that you don't want to be a part of that story? Well, not necessary. But if you look at, you know, we are talking about modern day suit and tie, right? And this sort of all happened in the 20s. And not much has changed since then. If you look at modern day suits and ties, I mean, of course, the, the styles and the, you know, uh, the silhouette has changed. But Basically, it's still like the suit jacket, a pair of trousers, and a tie. Um, I think it's more on like, it, it could be a trend. Like, if you look at past five, ten years, it's the rise of all these um, tech guys and people in Silicon Valley. It's just we have moved to a, a stage, a phase where, you know, business, casual outfit, attire. Like, I mean, the tech people are all about breaking rules right so in a way they are you know they broke the dressing codes as well so since then and you know it's a it's early 20s and it's just this kind of movement and the shift towards that um more, more casual wear and it this formal wear is no longer a necessity so to speak yeah. all right so so soon we'll be out of that but we're going to move on a moment but i want to throw one quick thing out is in suggesting that it could be a trend from the 1920s that's going to die out one thing that definitely has died out is, and this was more the case in Europe and America, maybe not out here in Asia ever, hats. <laughs> Up until, say, the 1950s, every man had to wear a hat. Nobody wears a hat now. I wear a hat. But, um, yeah, a fisherman hat, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, 
I mean, maybe these things will die out. What do you think? I think it moves oh, in cycle. Oh, I think it moves in cycles. You'll come oh, back. You, oh, you will come back. Exactly. Like, you know, we, especially this, like this year, the whole year we've been staying at home so much. We've, we've been wearing like home clothes and I wouldn't be surprised when this whole, when this pandemic is over, people actually want to dress up and go out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, the twenties did come right after a pandemic. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It's true. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move on and uh, we move on to topic number two, uh, which is uh, Sim's topic. Sim, uh, uh, fashion house uh, collaborations. Well, not not fashion house collaborations per se, but you know collaborations within the fashion world. And you know, I mean, it's an end of end of the year, and I'm just thinking back into like you know, and since you when we were arranging the show and you mentioned like you want to talk about clothes and fashion, it made me think about like a lot of the collaborations that have happened this year and for the past few years. And I got the sense of feeling that they were getting a bit more and more pointless. Um, you know, some of the collaborations, although they sound sounded really good, the, the end product was, again, you know, a bit pointless to me, apart from the fact that they just, you know, it's just a marketing ploy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but, and, and it resulted in items that were just a bit ridiculous, you know, like Dior had a collaboration with Nike that ended up with $2,000 shoes that are now reselling for like four or $5,000. Um, Keith, uh, a streetwear brand, had a collaboration with BMW where they were just, you know, they, 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 they don't really have a relationship with each other and they just end up collaborating. You know, Prada had this collaboration with Adidas that had no real design behind it, but just changing the materials and selling really expensive shoes. Um, even like collaborations like Travis Scott and McDonald's, which like made no sense as well. But, you know, they, 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 they did the job and they created a big wave. A lot of people bought into it. But, you know, it, it made me think about like, you know, have we have we reached the peak of these collaborations and what's the real point of these collaborations you know like why why do they want to work together and though a lot of them say it's just to trying to increase the audience but you know is there has to be a a meaning behind it i feel and i think a lot of time a lot of these collaborations are done in a way where it's just oh uh this agency has brainstormed this idea and you know this and this work it's just it just feels like there's no real soul behind the collaboration uh, yeah, I feel like it's really more of a marketing tool these days. And yeah. A lot of it, like you say, it doesn't make sense because they're in terms of brand aesthetic of like, you know, from the branding uh, perspective, like, you know, they don't make sense at all. Um, it's really a matter of, it's about virality, right? It's making things that, that go viral so that you get more eyeballs and get more social media attention, which hopefully leads to sales. Yeah, but surely in the case of BMW, an owner or a potential owner, he or she gets into his car wearing clothes. The clothes. But it's so tacky. It's so tacky. It's like you know, if like you you have a Ferrari phone casing and you drive a Ferrari, it's just like okay, that's just too much. (laughs) Yeah, but how many of us can ever afford a Ferrari? Yeah, so that's the plus point that's often the those that support these that yeah. say, you know, like a lot of people want luxury but they can't afford luxury. So these democratic lower end collaborations let you have a taste of it. Often people confuse style with luxury, which are two very distinctive different things. Mm. And a lot of these collaborations are born out of trying to I guess So you there, there you, are a few good ones, but you know I was gonna ask then. So you two think there are there is no value in collaborations? I think it, I when mean, it's are done successful well, ones? yeah, okay, well, maybe yeah, some I, successful ones then. There's one that I really liked uh, back then was like uh, Margella and Converse had a collaboration for a pair of shoes, 
uh, I don't know if you remember that, Ian, uh, the one day yep. they painted the paint on. Yes. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really funny and it was nice. And I thought that, you know, that there was a thinking behind it, you know, because someone actually did something to create something that's very different. Um, there was one that I, I mean, I personally didn't like, but I thought it was really cool. It was like Louis Vuitton and Supreme. You, you would say they don't have the same DNA, but in the scale of like Louis Vuitton in fashion being high end and Supreme in streetwear is streetwear. also considered high end. So they collaborated as a take on high fashion and streetwear. Um, the end product was not to my liking, but I, I felt like there was a relationship there. Whereas some brands have no relationship. Like I think a few years back, The Hundreds, which is another streetwear band, collaborated with like Andrew Lloyd Webber, <laughs> which is like, you know, like it's ridiculous. Like why? Like, you know, they don't have anything to do each other. You know? Okay, Ian, I mean, uh, can, can collaborations be successful? As long as, like, they, there is a similarity in terms of, like, brand ethos or, like, you know, there's more thinking when it comes to designing the products, it could, it could be a successful. And there's so many collaborations that are successful. Um, some of it, like Sim mentioned. But the problem these days is, like, everyone wants to collaborate with someone else so that you get yeah. a larger pool of audience. So, and it ended up with this kind of awkward and, you know, uh, partnership that just didn't, like, they, they don't say anything. They're just two different people coming together and design something and launch something. It feels like they're just doing it for doing it's sake. You know, there's no real thinking behind it. Like yeah. one of my favorite collaborations that came out this year, which isn't really that popular, but those who are into it, into it it's like Stussy and this brand are legacy. They had a collaboration mm. and the products were really well done, you know, and yeah. it was handmade and whatnot and whatnot. And that, that you could see the art and design behind it. And it was, and it, it somewhat made sense because there is those people that were see those people that were our legacy and they would often mix and match and you come up with something at the end product, which is great, you know. And this extends out to so many more other things, not just in clothes, you know, in, in technology, in, you know, there are hotels that collaborate with designers or artists and, the end product often it's more gimmicky than that's a that's uh, something that I quite I, I quite like you know you have like designers designing like hotels uniforms and stuff and those are the collaborations I think that that works and and use practical you know it's not for the sake of just putting stuff out there. Okay, well look, we're gonna we're gonna move on, but I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the opportunity inspired by your thing, Sim. I'm gonna uh, I think a bit of culture industries are gonna look into. Uh, a collaboration between what do you think? A Hugo Boss and Pagoda T-shirt. <laughs> I I think it could work, and so we're going to look into that later, and we'll get back to you. It could work. Sure, it sure. Could I'm looking like, forward to it. Yeah. Gucci and Bata. Adidas and Bata. Adidas and yeah. Bata. Okay. Uh, honestly, if you prepare the deck and you send it through, I'm, at this at this environment, they'll probably take it on. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so <laughs> in a moment, we're going we're gonna to be even more fashion conscious and fashion forward. Uh, I learned that one from you, Ian. With uh, Men in Dresses here on a Bit of Culture, BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, Sim Boon, and Ian Lowe. So with uh, topic number three, Ian, uh, you want to talk about Men in Dresses. So this is a clash of cultures, isn't it? I mean, uh, the idea that there's a thing called a dress. Mm-hmm. which is not a sarong. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing that is only worn by women and that men must not wear this. Uh, where, where do you come in on this? I mean, on, 
like historically, if you look at it, like men has been wearing some form of dresses in a long time, right? Greeks wore this wrapped kind of with like cloth, and then the Romans were like what toga, and the Chinese people wear hanfu, which is basically a dress, right? Um, it was it was sort of like until the introduction of like animals that require riding that men started wearing pants because it was just not practical wearing skirts like riding a horse so <laughs> it's funny that yeah i mean it, if you think about that like if you look at the history men wear dresses like like a form of dresses it maybe like a different silhouette uh, not necessarily the dress that we uh like we know today um but yeah, but there's this whole recently Harry Styles. If you don't know who Harry Styles is, he's a musician who used to be in a boy band <laughs> called One Direction. He was on the cover of Vogue US wearing a Gucci dress, right? Full on lacy blue dress. And he was the first solo male cover star for the magazine. So obviously he made a lot of headlines and but they also sparked a lot of conversation and debates around around that. Um he was sort of hailed as a flag bearer for gender fluid fashion. And in the article, he was called revolutionary and new image of this, uh, I mean, the image of this new era. But just got me thinking, like, what is new about men wearing a dress, right? It's not something new or radical. It probably just reflects the kind of shift of conversation that we have around masculinity these days i mean especially musician if you think about that like david bowie wore dress and kurt cobain wore dress and why is it such a celebrated idea that men wear dress this day why is it like so and obviously a lot of people are offended by it because um it's not masculine to wear it's not it seems not masculine to wear a dress so I'm just interested in the conversation as like 2020 and why is it not acceptable for men to, to wear a dress? Well, okay, well, let me, let me put it back to you, uh, or, or to Sim first. Um, it, it connected with the idea of wearing a suit and a tie as showing smartness and masculinity. What stops you from wearing a dress, Sim? The, the draftiness of it. <laughs> uh, well, I've won, I've won, I've won, I've won a kilt. I've won a dress before. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, but these were for um, Halloween occasions. But I actually don't think there's anything wrong. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite suits. I would, I would, I can't afford it. Uh, but I would so love to wear it. Is the Tom Brown full jacket and the skirt uh, thing that he had. It was really cool. Yeah, but and um, yeah. And I, I have to agree with Ian. You know, the celebration of Harry Styles wearing a dress is. I, I got a feeling that, you know, by making it, uh, by, I mean, I know people were, a lot of people that spotted it said, hailed it as the iconic revolution, a, a new time for this yeah. new conversation. But, you know, if you've worn, dresses have been worn, even Young Tug, uh, a rapper, wore a dress in his album cover. And in the misogynistic world of rap, for a rapper to wear a dress on his album cover, that, that to me was something. But even then wasn't like such big of a deal because, you know, I feel like by having and making it such a unique occasion, you actually devalue the normality of it, you know, because it's 2020, some men do wear dress, you know, and if we want to normalize it, then just normalize it. Don't shout about it. But I think why it was such a big conversation and we were talking about this when it came out was that like, it's because it's Vogue and 
you know, maybe five years ago, Anna Winter would never have this on the cover. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, it's probably like a desperate attempt to sell magazines. Like, to, uh, to be fair, that actually the uh, Vogue US, that issue of Vogue US actually sold out on the first day and they went for a reprint, which is rare this day. So, but Ian, uh, Ian, would you wear a dress? Um, I would, but like, I don't know where am I going to wear a dress to, right? Like, I have so many friends around me um, these days, like, guys wear a dress but it's just that they will wear it at their home party or you know in a setting that they feel comfortable because once you go out if you wear a dress you your guy wearing a dress and you go out like people judge you can i ask this right we're in malaysia okay yeah. now uh very few of our two listeners will will have any <laughs> uh european uh, western ancestry right we're mm. talking about uh, a clothes, uh, clothing uh, style, uh, system that's yeah. really Western-oriented. But in, mm. in Asia, in Malaysia, surely, yeah. uh, where, I mean, I'm not wearing one right now, but I mean, I wear a sarong every night to go to bed. Yeah. You do? Well, of course I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why do we choose to be constrained by the, uh, these uh, systems of dress, styles of dressing, which come from somewhere else? Sim? I mean, it's style of dressing is just one part of this composition, right? A lot of, when you look out, you step outside your house, you look around us, a lot of things that we have are, you know, somewhat of an influence from a non-Asian uh, take, right? I mean, the roads here were influenced by the British, you know, um, you know, back to the clothes, the clothes that you and I wear, you know, t-shirt, jeans and all, they're not culturally something born out of Malaysia or Asia, you know, we are speaking in English right now, so... So I, I, it's, it's very hard to take away that. And I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cause and effect from, you know, because it's been done this way for the longest, it's just this way for the longest. But now things are slowly shifting. And I think, yes, less men wear dressed. Uh, that's not as normalized. But if you want to talk about the composition of masculinity being, yeah, being a bit more fluid now, um, I think more men wear makeup now than they do wear dress. And that is a cool thing about gender fluidity or, or just, just kind of like changing the, the definition of masculinity that is happening now, you know, that maybe not many people know, but more, more, most men do wear makeup. If not makeup, some, they, they, they are doing things that are more, that would have been seen as more feminine okay. 10 years back. Like, like, you know, you know, taking care of their face, you know, toner, moisturizer, putting sunblock and stuff like Grooming. that. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you said, uh, Ian, I turn to you for, for uh, understanding the future of fashion, right? <laughs> uh, is this, have you put your finger on the next, uh, the way that we're going? I don't know, is it gender fluidity yeah, or what I, have you? I think what I'm trying to say, it's like, it's okay if you want to wear a dress, right? Look at history, throughout the history, clothing does not belong solely to one gender. So... I wouldn't call like, you know, I wouldn't call it like next five years, we're going to see a lot more men wearing dresses. Like it's a fashion trend. It, it's just that you don't have to be offended by that. Right. It's just this image. If let people do what they want to do. Okay. It's just clothes, man. Yeah. Fashion. So <laughs> yeah, it's just clothes. <laughs> okay. So, um, this, uh, so we're going to move on though to, uh, recommendations the final part of show recommendations where we recommend something that we think might be of interest on this the special fashion issue i go first so <laughs> uh, i want to look forward 
So my recommendation is, and also look back, way back. Uh, so my recommendation is uh, the New Zealand film director, the man who made Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, has just last few days dropped a, a video, which is a sort of a teaser for this, uh, his next project, which is called uh, Beatles Get Back. And he, mm. has, he has taken the 54 hours of footage that was shot when, when they were making the album and the movie Get Back back in, what, 1969? Um, and uh, there was a movie made of it where it sort of showed the band being very fractious and all hating each other. But the band themselves don't remember that as being a bad time. They actually enjoyed themselves. So Peter Jackson is going to re-edit it. And he's put down a, a teaser, which is uh, for Beatles fans like me, quite moving, actually. Uh, and it's, so the movie, the final product will be ready in the year 2021, which is already making me think that the year 2021 is, is going to be a good year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my recommendation is check out the, the, the video if you're a Beatles fan. It's on, it's on the YouTubes and uh, it's a uh, trailer for, or rather a teaser for the movie Beatles Get Back. That's my recommendation. You, are you too, uh, uh, Sim, you like the Beatles, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I enjoy the band. Yellow Submarine's are really great, yeah, for yeah. Um, recreational purposes. Ian, are you, are you, uh, let's not get into that. Ian, yeah. are, you, uh, <laughs> are you a fan? Um, not so much. Well, become one. So, okay. <laughs> I will. Good. My personal recommendation. I will take out your recommendation. I'll have a look at it. So, uh, Sim, what's your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation is a, a podcast that I discovered this year. It's kind of, if we're talking about looking back, what, what's one of the cool one of the cool things that I discovered this year? Twenty twenty was it's a podcast. It's called Blamo B L A M O by Jeremy Kirkland. Um, it's a it's a since it's a fashion issue, issue of a bit of culture. So this is a fashion podcast. He interviews personalities from uh, from the industry, um, and it's a wide range. You know, like. Sir Paul Smith, uh, Mark Cho from the Armory, even actors like Adam Goldberg, Jim Moore from GQ. So, um, and it's it's really nice because the interview. He sounds like the nicest man in the fashion world. He always sounds excited and really, it's really well researched. And the the tone of the interview just sounds like two guys having brunch, recounting stories from good old days, just trying to get into what they both like about each other. And um, it, it's it's one of those interviews that um. It, feels good it's informative and you know there's no gimmick to it or you know anything like even guests that you're not familiar with when you look at the name it makes me want to listen to it because i'm very sure i'm going to learn something about it so what's it called again blamo b-l-a-m-o blamo okay yeah it's not new it's been doing it for a few years already so yeah it's really great i okay, really recommend it as a podcaster Blamo the the podcast on the, where they talk about fashion. Hey, I'll be there. And um, interview interview people. Oh, okay, with fashion team. All right. And so, Ian, what's your what's your recommendation? A, I'm gonna recommend a store, a menswear store, since we're talking about suits and ties and you know things like that that I love, um, and arguably like one of the best men's store in, in Malaysia. It's called WJ & Co. Um, it's in Bangsa Shopping Centre. So they have some of the best menswear labels. Um, it's a curated sort of multi-label menswear store. So they have like heaps of stuff, which um, suits, uh, shoes, and you know, if you're wearing ties, they're ties. Um, umbrellas. 
umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, they have umbrellas. Yeah, a really good yeah, yeah. quality umbrellas as well. You know, um, this is a store that you might want to check out. WJ and Co. WJ and Co. Yep, they're in Bangsa shopping. Okay, and, it's not a big and, advertising guys. It's and big. just to be clear, this is not owned by the the Low family, is it? Right. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's a great saw. It's a great saw. It's a great, yeah. It's beautiful. Um, really okay. fantastic stuff in there. And before before we let you go, in the year twenty twenty one is coming up. Uh, you are the fashion uh, expert, fashion master. What what can we look forward to? What uh, fashion trend should we be jumping on and uh, or or turning our backs on? I think it's a little bit tricky, right? Because uh, given the situation, like you know, the current situation with pandemic, we're not sure when are we gonna get out of it. And um, are we gonna spend another year at home? Well, hopefully not. Or you know, we're gonna get back and go out party and stuff. But hopefully that's the case. Um, I would like to see that, like I said before, people dressing up to the nice, going out party, and you know, really have fun and not your home coats anymore, not your you know pajamas, you, the, all that loungewear anymore fun dressing which which i think actually ties back to my recommendation if you watch the trailer the clothes that the beef <laughs> back in seriously check them out uh colorful fun and very exuberant um so perhaps that's what we're going to be doing uh we're going to yeah. be going all, all crazy cool. going all out yeah okay so that brings us uh to the end of uh this special fashion edition of uh a bit of culture something i've always been wanting to do because I'm a follower of fashion. And uh, with uh, special guest, Simwe Boon. Thank you, thank you. Good to be here. And Ian Lowe. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And myself, Cam Ruslan. And so uh, please join us next week for another exciting and stylish episode of A Bit of Culture <laughs> here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.